previously on Quantum Kickflip. I was just going over the details of a very exciting cross-tower delivery. Do tell. It's a, a contract that's going to set up some recurring deliveries from Lansden to Wilkie's Candy Lab. We were hoping that you could get your crew together. I can't believe it's the real Wilkie's. I mean, I, I've been such a huge fan for, I mean, cherry imploders, fizzy pricklers, yum gunk. Oh my god, I can't even believe it. Actually, get to see where Wilkie's comes from. And Hattie reaches into her pocket to reveal something that's kind of brown-black in color. I want you to take a sample of this directly to Mr. Wilkie. The the actual inner workings of Wilkie's Candy Lab, including the exact location of the Candy Lab itself, is a mystery. There is a thin zone. We can't get through it from this side. We think that there might be a pocket dimension based on the characteristics of this room. It's probably hot and it's definitely sweet. Bright colors fill your vision in a dizzying kaleidoscope and sugary sweet smells flood your nostrils and smell receptors. You see something up ahead that does not appear to be part of the natural structure, an enormous turquoise dome. Welcome to the Candy Kingdom, sweetlings. (laughs) Welcome to Wilkie's Lab. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and your Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. And they are going to introduce themselves to you now. And I'm going to ask them the question that listeners at home, if you're on the Wilkie's Candy Lab Discord, you might be familiar with. Pals, tell me, what's your favorite candy? Hello, my name is uh, David Ray. I play Trev Four, the uh, heart playbook, and I have the hyper optic visor. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said this in season one. My favorite candy of all time is the Caramel Eat More, which was a limited run for like one year in the late 90s. It was the perfect Eat More. It was chewy, had uh, peanuts in it, had caramel, and it had the worst design of all time with a gray packaging because who's going to buy candy in a gray packaging? Me, because I wanted caramel in my mouth. So, very good. Hey, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle, the smarts playbook with the hard light board. And uh, sorry, people with nut allergies, but my favorite is anything peanut butter, specifically the Reese's family of treats. Your pieces, Yum. your cups, your cups with pieces in them, your little mini <laughs> cups the size of pieces. Uh, if Reese has had a hand in it, it's my favorite. My name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. Uh, and I think for me, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the, the Canadian classic, the Coffee Crisp. Mmm. Ooh, yeah, it tastes like I'm having coffee, but I'm not. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook, and she is the Gravity Blaster, and I love sour candies. I don't care what kind of sour candy. If it, if it has the pain salt, give it to me. 
Hey, I'm Robin. I play Maybelline Zandross, the Grit Playbook with the Photonic Jacket. And uh, I'm a sucker for every, any and every novelty candy that comes along. If an existing candy company puts out a new limited time flavor that sounds like absolute ass, I will, st- I will be the person who buys it because <laughs> I, I gotta know. I, I want, I crave innovation. Um, but favorite <laughs> of all time, it's, it's Skittles. Skittles are the perfect candy. You can't, you can't improve upon perfection. It's Skittles. Skittles is the answer. <laughs> uh, and as I said, uh, my name is Lena, uh, and I'm your Slugmaster. And uh, Liam wins. Sorry, gang. Uh, Liam wins. Reese's are the best. I'm Old Man Slugblast, <laughs> and my favorite candy is a Hard Worthers. <laughs> oh, old Man Slugblaster, what are you doing in our episode again? <laughs> I snuck in the back door. Get out of here, Old Man Slugblaster. Shoo. Uh, I've already left. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Speaking of candy, y'all are in a candy dimension. What? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, you have been tasked by Hattie by way of post host to take a uh, novelty candy that is not chocolate, but is basically chocolate from Lansden and deliver it directly to Mr. Wilkie himself. You have had one heck of a time navigating Web Tower, but you've made it. You are here, and it's time for us to explore a candy dimension. Let's play some Slug Blaster. Yum! Gold Star Disaster. You find yourselves in a colorful candy wonderland, surrounded on all sides by sugary marvels. The air is cold and smells like syrup, and the ground is spongy and pliable beneath your feet. Ahead of you, you see what must be Wilkie's Candy Lab, a smooth turquoise dome tucked in a picturesque valley full of taffy trees, rainbow rivers, and rock candy cliffs. The first leg of your mission is complete. You have successfully navigated through Web Tower and made it to the pocket dimension containing the candy factory. Your goal now is to deliver the Lansden crafted candy provided by Hattie to Mr. Wilkie himself. We join you now in this beautiful candy land. Whoa, that sure is some sweet air. <coughs> I, th- I think I breathed in a few too many sh- sugar particles. <coughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know that I've ever found an environment where the the air is palpable with like icing sugar dust. I would recommend not spending too much time here because it is too much for most sentient kind to spend. This place is incredible. I want to see how they make them all. Caramel kabooms, coconut gonzos, root beer goobers. Oh, lead the way, Bryn, lead the way. <laughs> I can sense your blood pressure rising as we stand here. <laughs> Do we need uh, hasware of any kind, breathing masks, logic binders? Is this a dimension that's that's safe to inhabit without our gear? I mean, we got our hasware, but I don't know about breath masks or anything beyond that. And I, I'll, I'll jump in really quick just to say that when you came into this dimension, you felt the air and it was like a lot colder and sweeter than you're perceiving it now. And then your hasware did click on. Uh, Brinley did give you sort of a... a pre-warning of like, hey, we're going to meet in web and also wear your hasware. No reason. The air is definitely sweet, but you can breathe it. But like, yeah, it's it's definitely taking a little bit of getting used to this environment. Wow. So, uh, Bryn, you said you needed to, to, to make a delivery here? Yeah. 
are supposed to take a special new prototype of a candy to Mr. Wilkie himself. All right, and I presume he's in that uh, turquoise-type dome over there? Makes sense to me. What are we waiting for? Is there a time limit on this, Brain? Were you given a deadline? Considering he does not know he's about to get a delivery, I guess not. Sweet. Then, uh, and Maeve is just going to take off on her hoverboard uh, and start uh, exploring this candy landscape. Okay. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, wait, Maeve, you're, uh, should one of us go with her if everyone else wants to head on to the lab or? Guys, it's a candy world. What are you doing? Come on! Uh, yeah, uh, Helix looks at Walt and is like, yes, you are technically correct. Like, he kind of does the, you know, finger hook through the collar, like, Ugh. and he's like, I, 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 not particularly one for sweets, but the ecology of this place is bizarre, and I, I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't collect some samples. Um, and you can't tell if he's genuinely interested in the science or he's just going to go eat, you know, pluck Swedish berries off a bush and eat them. Uh, but he, he <laughs> follows off after uh, Maeve pretty quickly. There's a carbonated geyser. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, Trev looks at the others and kind of says, well, it seems like people are very interested in this land. However, since I am unable to consume candy of any kind, I feel f- uh, free to proceed on with our mission. Yeah, I'm. I'm good to head on toward the lab, but I'm sure they'll catch up with us. Friend, they got trees made out of cotton candy. Where are you? As you know, my favorite treats are green grapes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they have some actual fresh fruit in the factory, and they'll turn that into some sort of processed sugar later. Come on, let's go. Uh, so it sounds like Trev and Walter are headed towards the lab. Maeve and Helix are exploring the outside of this dimension. Uh, Bryn, who are you going with? Uh, I'll head towards the lab. I'll stick with the three of you for a bit, uh, Bryn, Trev, and Walt. As you make your way uh, towards this dome, it really does just look like a big ol' featureless dome. There aren't really any, like, doors or windows that you can, like, perceive at first glance. Uh, Although I suppose, Trev, you have your omniscience aperture, um, so maybe I'll give you a little bit more information for what you can visually perceive. There are sort of like pockets where you imagine that doorways or windows must be, but they are basically perfectly blended in with the dome. Uh, So Brinley and Wolt can't really see them, but you can just because of the omniscience aperture, and you can kind of see a little bit in. But maybe the more interesting thing that you see is that this is not, in fact, a dome. It is a sphere. And the underside of this sphere is underground. And the reason that you can see that is because underground doesn't look like solid ground. It kind of has similar vibes to when you like look through the floors of Operablum and it looks like there's like underground tunnel networks that lead into the underside of this lab. Do I have a sense that this uh, structure is one that is sta- stationary or do I notice anything like say, engines or power emanating, or is, is this possibly a, a vehicle of some sort? Um, I think at most maybe there's like a chimney 
off to the side or like a couple of chimneys. But other than that, no engine, no nothing to suggest that it is a vehicle. It is a stationary building. So uh, seeing that there are many doors that lead in, I turn to the others and say, well, shall we proceed in? (laughs) Do you see how to get in? Oh, yes. There, 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 there. I'm just pointing around the dome, and, uh, like, there doesn't seem to be anything. It just looks like a solid, uh... Bryn, I think the sugar crystals might be affecting his receptors or something. Are are you seeing any doors? No, it all looks smooth to me. Ah, yes. It does seem that your, your simple eyes cannot see the intricate entrances that are there, there, and there. Trust me, they are there. All right, well, can you open one? Sure. And uh, Trevor goes to one and um, knocks politely on one of these doors. <laughs> okay, great. So, Bryn, what exactly is this new confection that's uh, brought us down the Candy Brick Road here? Well, it it's kind of like brown, kind of like dark brown, and it's sort of like a square. And I like it because it's not as sweet as other candies, but it's still kind of sweet, you know? Wait, a, a brown sweet? Yeah. Brown semi-sweet, I'd say. Huh. It's not the most appetizing color, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I guess so, but it's like it's like a nice brown, if that makes sense. <laughs> Do you think I could try some? I want to make sure we have enough of a sample for Mr. Wilkie, so... Uh, totally, totally. Sorry, I didn't mean to push or anything. I'm just curious of why, why this particular sweet is so important to... Bring us into an unknown candy dimension and all. Well, it's it's the delivery, right? And when I get a delivery, I make a delivery, or I send Trev4 to make a delivery for me. Uh, Trev4, no one has appeared to respond to your uh, polite knocking. What do you do now? It seems that I have been knocking on the doggy door. Hmm. Perhaps <laughs> there is a different entrance meant for sentient kind. Would I be able to, like, maybe pick up on, like, uh, living creatures? Uh, you know, if my realmware lens can pick up on in-depth biometrics and invisible entities and stuff like that, combined with the omniscience aperture to see through walls and such? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's, let's get a roll for this. I think I am just going to throw on a die from Attitude, but other than that, it'll just be the 2d6 here. And I roll a six. Nice. Um, so maybe what I'll say is you guys, like, go around the side of the dome and, like, get to another door that maybe looks a little bit bigger. And maybe as you're going to knock on the door, you you engage this. And what I think I'll give you with your six is you absolutely do pick up on, like, some biometrics inside the factory itself. It's a pretty decent number. Like, this place is fully staffed. And it is staffed by people, people that from the readings uh, do appear to be operablen, as far as you can tell, except for one reading that pings to you as super weird. Like, you can't figure out why it's weird. It just, like, absolutely does not line up with typical operablen biometrics at the very top of the dome. It seems that there are a lot of people inside, and perhaps a dog that is at the top of the dome. A dog? <laughs> Wait, a dog? Is Mr. Wilkie a dog? <laughs> well, if he is a dog, I sure hope he likes this brown semi-sweet stuff. Indeed. I would think that a dog would like all sorts of sweets. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let me try this door, and I like I if if there's no response, I'm assuming that there is no response... 
then Trefor is going to try to like then try to get his fingers in between. He's just going to try to like rip it open <laughs> like he's, uh, I don't know, uh, Jesus trying to pull the stone aside and uh, uh, and then try to get inside that way. Okay, let's let's force this door open. This, this is very fun. Let's get a roll. Uh, also, this is a quantum kickflip PSA. Do not feed dogs chocolate. Thank you. <laughs> feed it to me instead. Yeah. Now, I'm not necessarily the strongest thing. I am a robot, so like as my like fingers try to like kind of get in there, you, you, you hear all the gears and everything trying to like whir up and just <laughs> trying to pull. And here is my roll. I am going to engage in a kick. <laughs> and I'm going to use another die from my attitude to do this. Can I help? Yeah, if you want to give me a... I die or whatever. Yeah, um, uh, I'll I'll lend you a d6, and I think that comes in the form of uh, Ah, Trev Four, uh, allow me to help you. And Carcinokin sort of sk- skitters up, and he's he's trying to pull back on the door, kind of the other way. If you're both like pulling away from each other, kind of thing. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, three d6. Here we go. And that is another six. <laughs> oh my goodness! Incredible. Yeah, so you you both sort of engage this door. Uh, tell me how this looks, and I think what I'll say is the door uh, is going to just kind of, like, melt away after you succeed. So Trev is just, like, go. it's going, it's pulling, and it's it, he's trying his best, and, like, you know, uh, there's all this extra overheat coming from his joints as it's trying to engage and pull back. And, uh, uh, you know, he gets into a more crouched position and his uh, rocket knees engage as he's kind of crouching down <laughs> and they just start blasting into the door and just <laughs> as and eventually it starts melting it. And uh, th- does it melt it like a candy wood or does it melt like, say, metal wood? Like candy wood. Oh, OK. So uh, as he's doing that, it's like melting it and like. Eventually, it kind of crumbles away, and now Trevor's hands are, like, covered in this, like, syrupy, candy-like substance. And he goes to, like, lick it off of his hand, but, of course, he has no tongue. And he just kind of <laughs> winds up uh, kind of smearing it onto his, like, visor on the front. Goodness, Trev, uh, allow me to help you. A foam jet. <laughs> <laughs> and Carcinigan's just trying to wash you off. Maybe he splashes the, the sugary building a little more as well. Who could say? <laughs> Very good. Oh, this is great. One thing I think I will say, Trev, for is as you, like, engaged your rocket knees and started, like, melting the door, basically... You felt a weird sort of... The, the way that the, the the fire from the rocket was coming out was sort of interacting with you in a way that you kind of weren't used to. Almost like your knees were, like, melting and hardening in the same way as the door? Kind of? Hmm. But then Carcinikin hits you with this foam jet... And that feeling passes. Huh. The door disappears, and the three of you are now just fully in the lab. 
You're in this like very big, circular, colorful room. Uh, like the walls kind of like are a gradient that go from like bubblegum pink to chartreuse to sunshine yellow to sky blue. There is equipment everywhere, full of people, all who turn to look at you. And as they do, all three of you hear a voice. You can't tell where it's coming from. It feels like it's kind of coming from everywhere. And the voice uh, says, Attention, my jubilant and dutiful employees. It would appear that we have some unexpected guests who salivate (laughs) for the sweetness of my kingdom. The first one to bring these hungering trespassers to me will have their fructose rations doubled for their shift. Additionally, (laughs) please be reminded in a most friendly manner that we have a regimented break schedule of six hours on ten minutes off for maximum workflow optimization. Your ten minutes is an excellent opportunity to stretch, ensure your workstation is tidy and in good order, and take a brief sojourn in one of our proprietary flash nap pods. Stay saccharine, sweetlings. (laughs) The voice disappears, uh, and now all of these employees of Wilkie's Candy Lab uh, turn towards you and uh, start advancing somewhat threateningly. Helix and Maeve, where'd you go? <laughs> uh, Maeve wants to go explore this uh, this candy world she assumed everyone would be right on her heels she was like come on everybody let's go she was yelling after him but uh apparently other people got work to do but uh Maeve wants to do some sick tricks off of some uh candy landscapes so what what does she find uh yeah i'll give you some options we got a taffy tree forest we got some trees within this forest they look like they're all made from like kind of like stretched sap and like any of that kind of like sticky candy, imagine that's been taken and like stretched out uh, into tree-like shapes. Uh, many of them are uh, topped with like cotton candy foliage. You also see like some mushrooms uh, at the base of uh, the tree. Uh, they are extremely brightly colored. Is that just a product of their environment or are they poisonous? Who's to say? You have a river running along the length of this sort of dimension, like cutting through the dimension and winding in ever every which way, branching off, uh, that is like constantly many colors all at once. It's like a rainbow colored river. And sometimes it like branches off and then it's like a blue color and then it branches off and then it's a red color and then that comes together to form purple and then it comes back to the the river itself. Uh, and you got rock candy cliffs. These are very like high up like 
very rocky vertical cliffs. Um, they have this sort of translucent color, so they're like reflecting and refracting the light of the sky. I don't know if there's like a sun in this dimension, um, but like the sky is a bright pink and it's just like forming all sorts of rainbowy iridescent colors in these cliffs. Um, the cliffs appear to have uh, tunnels uh, winding through them in like a cave network potentially. And uh, as Maybelline alluded to, it does have uh, carbon geysers that are occasionally spewing steam into the chilly air. Ooh, uh, all of these are, are great and Maeve is tempted by all of them, but I think the, the potential for uh, sick jumps and exploration in those rock candy mountains uh, sounds too tempting to pass up. Although... If I may, she'll, she'll scoop a couple of those uh, brightly colored mushrooms on her way by. Yeah. I'll let you just have those. I'm sure they'll come in handy later. Sweet. <laughs> As Helix following after? Yeah, I, I think, he, like you he said, he's fascinated by the ecology of this place, the fact that there are candy uh, flora. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, uh, he like, good job collecting those, uh, fungus samples. I'm sure those will come in handy later. Um, I'll join you. I like the, I like your thinking. Uh, I'd love to explore the rock candy cave network, but first, uh, Helix just wants to take a look at these, these, um, taffy trees. Uh, I've established he's got a little bonsai tree back in Upper Ablum. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, I'd, I'd love to know more about these. And if there's maybe any way, are they dropping acorns or some kind of seeds? Ooh, you want to, like, try and find a way to grow your own little taffy tree? I think it does make sense that these are fruit-bearing trees, um, in the sense that they are uh, bearing big gummy fruits and hard candy fruits, or, like, hard candy acorns, or pine cones, or things of that nature. So yeah, it, they definitely do seem to be producing. What I will say about this, however, is these branches that are holding the fruits that you need are situated quite high on the tree, so you will need to climb to get it. So for that, I am going to make you roll. Ah, you just rolled the one die? Uh, didn't didn't add anything, even though I have all sorts of smarts uh, playbook stuff that would have backed up uh, had it failed. It was a six, so all good. Uh, and if if he has to climb, is it is it fair to say? Can I say instead of climbing, he extends uh, his hard light hoverboard into like a hook shape, kind of like he did for when we fought the the Viperkin, uh, and like pulls a branch down, and because it's a taffy tree, it's got real like stringy, <laughs> stretchy, gooey. Like it's, it really pulls this very elastic tree branch to its limit, gets it down to his his height. I'll take that. Uh, plucks a, a piece of candy off and then lets it go and just goes. <laughs> That's so good. So you don't even climb the tree; you just pull the tree branch down to you. Yeah, he's using the hard light board hook shaping mechanism. Absolutely, I love that. And so you got a six. You absolutely get this. Uh, Helix is just racking up the other gear. It's fantastic. Um, so what you choose to do with this uh, uh, candy fruit is totally up to you. I will say one thing. Mm. You had to, like, pull pretty hard on this sort of hook. And something about the way that you had to pull it, it felt like your arms were sort of stretched in a weird way. 
Mm. And like, you couldn't really put your finger on what was weird about it, but then, you know, you pulled the fruit down, you took it, and the fruit came back, and everything was fine. Mm. Noted, but also moving on. (laughs) So, uh, what do you say to a race? First one up to those caves wins? Love it. Hopefully I fare better against you than I do Brinley. <laughs> uh, likewise. <laughs> she's she's something else, huh? She's she's a real... Yeah, if she ever realizes how much better she is at this than the rest of us, we are all screwed. Agreed. <laughs> There's only one question then, and Maeve's going to pull out those mushrooms from earlier and be like, do we, do we try these before or after? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Helix's eyes light up. He's like, oh, oh, not only do we do it before, but, uh, and he pulls out his phone, uh, and he's like, this is Helix Pinnacle, and these are the fluorescent (laughs) mushrooms. (laughs) You're streaming, holy shit. Okay, great. I'm sure the, the fact that Liam had to roll to get his thing but I was just allowed to have mine. Uh, bodes very well for the that, that couldn't possibly mean that uh, that these come with some set of consequences or anything. <laughs> but you know, Maeve knows that Helix is uh, is all about science and even more about uh, stunts with the Zed. And uh, this this feels like it'd be right up his alley. So yeah, she uh, breaks off a cap. I guess what is it? Can we get a description? Like what is this? Uh, what is the texture of this thing? Does it feel like it's made out of candy? Does it feel like it's made out of mushroom? Um, okay. You know those, like, marshmallow banana candies? Yeah. 100%. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she she breaks off the cap. Um, she breaks off some small pieces. She's not going to, like, she doesn't want to kill them, right? Um, right. But breaks off a couple of small chunks, uh, passes one to Helix, and then kind of holds up and goes, for science? For science. Down a hatch. <laughs> So you eat these weird mushrooms from an unknown pocket dimension. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a candy dimension. How, hard, how how bad could it be? I mean, I got to assume he's just harvesting the resources and selling it with Wilkie's branding on it. I'm, I'm sure these are fine, he says in between bites. Yeah, Maeve's from Thenispar, and in Thenispar, all mushrooms are always good for you. <laughs> well, there you go. Never, none of them are poisonous, so she has no context for this. None whatsoever. Helix sees a typical exploitive agriculture setup. You know, there's a giant factory next to a bunch of fields of, of foliage. He's like, oh, they're, yeah, they're picking it and making it into shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in light of the fact that you have eaten these mushrooms, I'm going to spend a couple of bites and... Both of you immediately feel your your hearts just start racing and you're feeling that like like you've just consumed a bunch of sugar all at once. But you also kind of can't tell if you're moving like faster or slower. It feels like your relationship with time has just gotten a little bit wibbly wobbly as a result of eating these mushrooms. Um, and I'm going to spend a couple of bites to give each of you uh, the slam of heart palpitations. Oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic. The fact that you marked bite to do that, despite the fact that we willingly of our own volition ate mushrooms, let no one say Lena is not a fair GM. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's true, right? Like, you did this. I don't think I needed to spend bite to give you a problem. <laughs> you brought this on yourselves. And yet... Well, I, I, uh, Maybelline, I don't know about you, but I think I'm incredibly ready to go. <laughs> Shh, 
gate through those caves. I'm going to race you up there. I hope I win. I'm going to so fast. It's just cool. It's a smart item. And I'm left by go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's that uh, uh, perfectly engineered heart of yours holding up there? Because mine is pounding. Here we go. Let's get a roll and also figure out what y'all are doing on these cliffs. <laughs> I think it's just a race. You're racing to the top, yeah? Race to the top of the cliffs? Yes, absolutely. I think Maeve's opening gambit is going to be to try to catch one of these carbonated geysers uh, to launch herself, get a little bit of air so that she can uh, start partway up the mountain and not have to climb right from from the base. Uh, I think Helix is going to do the same thing, but I have a pl- I have a plan if it fails. Like it's okay. He's he's going to turn turn the failure into an opportunity. So both of you are going to use like a geyser to shoot yourselves up towards this uh, cliff face and this cave. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get some rolls. Uh, and I think I'm going to add a d6 from my hard light board. Uh, and I'm going to add a kick just to see if I can beat Maeve and to justify the thing I might do. Sweet. I am going to, uh, I want to take a dare here. Uh, a, because I want a d6 and B, because marking trouble feels appropriate for what we're up to here. <laughs> so one trouble, got one d6. Uh, and I'm going to throw on a d6 for my attitude. And that's that's me rolling with three d6. Okay, fantastic. Ooh, and these are, we're doing tricks, right? Yeah, I'd like to do a trick. Got to, got to. Absolutely. Uh, I got a five. I got a five, but I also got a six. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Okay. So Maeve gets a perfect success. Uh, Helix gets a mixed success. And it sounds like Maeve is going to come first in this particular race. So Maeve hops on her board, uh, heads straight towards this geyser. She's working out the math. The timing on this, I think, is the hardest part because it's going off intermittently and her perception of time is completely screwed up by this mushroom they've just eaten. <laughs> um, but somehow, against all odds, I rolled a six, so she maybe, without even meaning to, times it up perfectly. I think that's it. Maybe she thinks she missed it. She, you know, gets to the geyser and is like, ah, I missed my window. I'm too late. And then it hits what, like directly underneath her and sends her launching upward. I think it's all she can do, like, you know, I did do a trick here, but I think she's also freaking out a little bit. So I think the trick is mostly just staying on her board and landing this thing. Um, but yeah. let's say she gets a, a 180 off in the in the air. She, she does a, a partial rotation. And, and that's funny, too, because then she lands backwards, like <laughs> backwards into a cave. Uh, yeah. She has a brief moment of like, oh, I did it, and then is swallowed up by shadows. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that's so typical of the grit, too, right? Like, Maeve absolutely is the type of person who, even if she fails, she's like, well, I'm committing. I'm committing to this failure. Um, but because it wasn't a failure, you committed super hard to looking super cool. Helix follows hot on your heel. However, uh, he says to himself, activate photon vent. Uh, and as he hits the geyser, um, behind him, a semi-permanent, slightly brittle trail of hard light begins to form. Uh, and I think he does like a sort of a spin up uh, as the geyser goes. He's spinning his board, so it creates this corkscrew of hard light uh, around where the geyser goes. And then uh, I, I assume I make it. I guess, Lena, you'll tell me. I got a five, so I assume that's a success, but maybe my complication is I don't. But either way, his his backup plan is to have this spiral he can just walk up. Um, if it doesn't work out for him. Oh, and then going up that spiral is going to take you to the um, to the cave? To take me to the cave, but obviously, you know, you never want... Walking uh, another lap is never as fast, but that was just his... his um, 
uh, his backup plan for if either of them failed, there would be a hard light path that they could just walk up on, on the next go. Gotcha. Nice. I like this. And it makes a cool looking hard light candy cane spiral uh, up the geyser because it floats in space until it fades. Uh, and of course, you're, you're uh, streaming this, right, Helix? Yes. Oh, for sure. Both of you, please don't forget to mark a style. Done and done. You already did. And Helix, as you're spinning and making this corkscrew, you get up to where the cave entrance is, and then the time kind of accelerates for you, and you shoot up past it. And it's at this point that you realize that the gravity is pretty different here. Mm. Specifically, weaker. So I think Maeve... Partially thinking that you failed, but you actually succeeded. You also caught the geyser like right at the beginning of it instead of like full steam. So uh, that maybe combined with a little bit of the slowing of the time, it just the factors worked out so perfectly that you didn't even realize that your gravity was all out of whack. But Helix, you have definitely realized it. And yeah, you shoot way up and then the the geyser of uh, carbonated uh, water and steam uh, disappears. Mm Mm-hmm. And you find yourself flung up into the air, weaker gravity, and then you find yourself plummeting pretty quickly. Sure. So you do have this like hard light thing that you can use to get back. Uh, or if there's another way that you can try to get into the cave, uh, uh, feel free to let me know. But we're going to get one more roll to get you in safe. Oh, so I'm like, I, I, you know, I shot up on the geyser. There's a spiral of hard light going around the geyser. And now I'm even higher than all of it. And I'm free falling straight down. Yep. And you've got a free way back to the ground or you got a roll to get onto the mountain. I think seeing Maybelline beneath him having already lost, he's like, it's almost like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon at the apex of uh, this geyser. He just sort of shrugs uh, and lets himself land on his own hard light thing and then grinds a spiral down uh, and then just looks up at Maeve and goes, good job. You're a regular Brindley. Uh, and then begrudgingly walks up his hard light spiral uh, and does a little hop uh, onto the vent, uh, having lost it famously the the stream looks pretty cool but he by by you know 300 percent lost to maybelline like yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) don't worry i won't tell bren if you don't i won't tell bren if you don't much appreciated from here uh you find yourselves in a cave that actually leads to a broader tunnel network it's a little warmer in the cave than in the cold of outside the cave. In fact, the temperature change is quite distinct. And you hear what sounds like machinery. And it takes you a moment, especially under the influence of these strange mushrooms, to sort of parse the direction of it. But you are eventually able to like pinpoint that direction and are able to figure out, maybe uh, especially Helix with your smarts, that it is coming from the direction that the turquoise dome was. Mm. What do you do now? You hearing that? It sounds like banging or clanging or grinding or something? Or is that is that in my head? No, I, I hear it as well. It's coming from within the caves uh, in the same general direction as the dome our compatriots have gone, so... We are, we are going to explore the caves. Let's uh, let's see what all the ruckus is about. And he does like a little air drum, like. <laughs> uh, Maeve 
fiddles with the uh, cuff of her jacket and kind of sets it to just like emit a gentle glow to light their way. Uh, and they head off into the shadows. I think Helix does the same with his board. Uh, so if oh, it, yeah. you know, there's like a jacket shaped light and then a uh, oblong shaped light. Uh, Which colors do they pick? Purple. Uh, Maze is always gold. Hell yeah. Uh, beautiful contrasting colors uh, <laughs> that, that guide your way deeper into the tunnel network. Star listeners, it's me, Lena, your slug master game blaster. I just wanted to pop in to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip and to ask that if you're enjoying this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice and tell your friends. Word of mouth is huge for getting our podcast out there. Now, before I continue, I would like to address a programming change for Quantum Kickflip. You may have noticed that we no longer have our tag at the beginning of each episode for the Alberta Podcast Network, and that we no longer have quirky characters joining us for ad reads. Since 2021, Quantum Kickflip has been privileged to be a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, who has provided support and connections for Alberta podcasters for six years. As of March 31st, 2023, the Alberta Podcast Network has ended their operations. We at Quantum Kickflip would like to thank APN for everything they have done for us. We would not be where we are today without their support. We'd like to send a special thank you to Fonda Mithrush, Karen Unland, and Brianne Byrne for your tireless efforts in bringing us all together. Although APN's operations have come to an end, Quantum Kickflip remains locally grown and community supported. You can support Quantum Kickflip by following us on social media for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also support Quantum Kickflip by subscribing to us on Patreon. For only $2 a month, you can join our Shredder tier, which gives you early access to all new episodes of Quantum Kickflip. For $5 a month, you can join our Ultranaut tier, which gives you early access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content, and there is so much bonus content to explore. We release outtakes from every single episode that is full of goofs, gags, and riffs. We have player interviews one-on-one, and we have one-on-one in-character interviews from season one. Uh, Dave, as Chester, runs Chester's Groove Station and interviews each member of Weird Gravity. We have bonus games like Scene Thieves and Slug Blaster Turbo X. We also have loopable tracks of the QK music that you can use for your games at home. Especially now, your support means the world to us. To subscribe, please head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the final chapter of Wilkie's Candy Lab on Wednesday, May 17th. All right, let's get you back to the action. Trev4 and Walt. You have um, 
forced your way through a door into the main floor of Wilkie's Candy Lab. Uh, as I described, it is a big circular space. A lot of it is tables and rolling trays, um, like the kind that like form these big, big shelves that you can like wheel about the room. And these trays are absolutely loaded uh, with packaged candy. There are whiteboards everywhere that have like diagrams and like uh, chemistry equations. I'm trying to describe the picture in my head. It's like hexagons and and like um, like chemical composition diagrams. You know what I mean? Just like organic chemistry, kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Benzene rings for candy. <laughs> Absolutely. There's all sorts of science all around you on whiteboards. A lot of this area is also like sort of cubed off into you know like off to the side. There's like an area that's sort of walled off and like a mezzanine area that's also like walled off with glass. And behind that is where you see all of the like very sciencey sort of equipment, um, beakers that are like steaming and have various colored liquids in them uh, and like burners and uh, tubes and tongs and microscopes and all that kind of stuff. And in this main room, uh, like I said, it is full of uh, employees, and they all turn to look at you in the wake of this mysterious announcement. They're all sort of wearing, like, personal protective equipment. You can tell that they're all operablen. You can tell that they're all from web because, you know, some of them have cybernetic leg bracers and uh, robot hands. All of them have embedded in their right temple a little triangular implant with like a blinky green light on it. And they, in in light of uh, the mysterious announcement, they're sort of moving towards you and they don't look particularly friendly. What do you do? Uh, I don't suppose you all want to just take your 10 minute break right now, do you? Ah. <laughs> Is there um like a other doors, staircases, hyperlifts, any way we could see that is up. Yes, that is a great point. There is actually some up and some down. Um, I neglected to describe this. Thank you, Glenna. Um, The floor of this space is not completely uniform. Uh, In fact, it's sort of segmented into like catwalks and platforms. So there's actually like squares of open space and there is like a floor underneath this, basically. And directly in the center of the room, shooting straight up in a vertical cylinder is one single elevator shaft. Trev, you said the dog was up, right? <laughs> that is correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bryn, I think you gotta get that semi-suite up there. All right. Trev and I can try and hold off these disgruntled employees as long as we can. Do not worry, I am very capable at negotiating with employees. Alright. Thanks, guys. Um, I'll see you on the other side, I guess? If that means you're dying, no. But if you mean upstairs, okay. I meant upstairs. (laughs) The employees around you start, like, moving into, like, kind of fighting stances. Um, and with, you know, the 
soothing light pulsating from the colorful walls uh, reflecting off of their shiny cybernetic enhancements. Uh, it does seem a little bit threatening. And a couple of them reach for like what looks like some batons. Uh, a couple of them also go to workstations that seem to have like buttons and levers and you're not entirely sure what that's about. But that's a thing that I'm planting in this scene. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> let's get the, um, the, uh, distraction play from Trevin Woltz. Lena, real quick before this, uh, kicks off, with my advanced neuroimaging, I can roll to see and record a subject's active surface thoughts. It's obvious you're doing it, but adding kick allows you to do it secretly and or zoom into deeper thoughts and memories. What I'm wanting to do is I'm trying to get a sense because you said that there's like little devices on their on the side of their head, you're correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. And you said that there's like these glowing lights coming from the side. I you know, it is not impossible because I uh, you know, Kindred has probably also experimented with uh mind encouraging devices. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm trying to get a sense by reading, you know, just a couple of uh of these employees. Is it like they are being kind of commanded and kind of controlled, or are they having independent thoughts? Yeah, let's get a roll for that. I think I can roll with the results of whatever roll you get. I'm not looking to do this secretly or anything like that, so I don't need to add a kick, but I am going to add uh, a die for my attitude just to try to, like, guarantee this happens. Actually, I'm going to add one for my uh, hyper-optic visor. You know what? If I could throw in a kick, would I be able to uh, confirm whether or not there is a device, uh, what this device is? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can totally add a kick. Okay. (laughs) That's another six. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Uh, So with your advanced neural imaging, you are able to read the thoughts. Before we get into this, I need to know, it says in your playbook that it's obvious you're doing it. How is it obvious? (laughs) I think uh, kind of... Does Trev just announce it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's got to inform you. So for A, there's a couple of different ways. One, uh, once again, his face is like shaded glass or whatever. This, uh, like, lights up, and you can see, like, you know, that gridded light go over one of the employee's faces as, as like, uh, <laughs> uh, an announcement comes out of his chest. Once again, this is not, like, Trev's normal voice. This is, like, almost from th- that loudspeaker that he has that uh, emanated uh, the anthem uh, from a few episodes ago. It's that one, <laughs> and it's going... Your neurology is being scanned. Do not worry. We are not going to melt your brain that much. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there is that and it scans over, and, and it's like it sends this blaring light uh, from him, and that announcement's coming through. But it, funny enough, this uses less energy than if he tried to keep this all subtle. Uh, there is so much ambient energy that comes from doing one. Of it just needs to be vented through the loudspeaker. It's it's vented through loudspeaker and the light, like you know, it just it's it's just so, so obvious. obvious, so obvious, amazing. Yeah. 
you really obviously scan uh, one of the employees. Uh, maybe you scan a couple, actually, and get a, a few disparate thoughts from a couple different people. The first thing that you pick up is, we can't bring him to Wilkie. There's no way we can bring them to Wilkie. We need to get them out of here. They have seen too much. How did they even get here in the first place? This is a web secret. This, uh, we need to get them to web authorities now. Now, now, now. And we need to wipe that robot's memory now. And then you go to another one, and, and what you pick up is logic binders. Why aren't they wearing logic binders? Are they insane? I mean, of course, they, they wouldn't know. They, they're not in here. But if they're not wearing logic binders, and uh, you go to the third one, and he's closed the distance and fully clocks you in the face. And Walt, what you see is this employee clock Trev in the face, but instead of his fist bouncing off like you expect that it would, it like embeds fully in Trev's face and his face like scrunches up around it like a cartoon. Uh... And the employee pulls his fist and with a shlook pulls it out. And Trev's face just, like, still has this indent of a fist in it. <laughs> and then it, like, with a pop, it pops back into place. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, how does this, you know, do any of my warning systems tell me, like, how does it react? How does it inform me? My face got crumpled. <laughs> Error, error, error. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just like a, a little pink error, and then uh, as soon as your face pops back into place, it's like, ah, oh, it's fine. Because <laughs> you rolled a six, right? I don't want to give you a slam for it, so yeah, this particular punch wasn't effective. Very good. So, so they are not being like mind controlled; they are of their own volition or whatever. Yes, and you did spend a kick, so to to be absolutely clear about this, the one who is thinking logic binders, you're able to assess through the deeper thoughts that the implants in their heads are logic binders. Mm. Web doesn't get equipment like that they put on and take off. Uh it it becomes a part of them. They all have logic binder implants. Uh wild. Walton, it seems though we need to have logic binders be here. Oopsie! We'll make sure we <laughs> add it to the shopping list for next time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, as as a crew, we really need to prepare better for these things. Uh, anyway, uh, Bryn, uh, watch your logic, I guess? I'm going to spend a bite here, because I think that this would have thrown y'all for enough of a loop uh, that Wolt, like, two or three of them tackle you. Uh, so you can take an action, but now you got, like, two or three of them just, like, holding you down. Uh, I think while he's, like, sort of pinned to the ground and he's struggling, he manages to to sort of muscle out it. It's time for a shift change. Carcinogen! <laughs> uh, and Carcinogen digitizes forward out of the Daiba vice and uh, leaps up into the air, shouting out, Bubble Binder! <laughs> uh, and with this, I'm going to try and uh, make a roll to use weapons to sort of non-lethally back some of these employees out of the way. Uh, so I'll just roll my standard 2d6 from Chill. Uh, but I think I want to add a kick onto this in hopes that... The maneuver will uh, give an opportunity for Brinley to move forward toward the elevator. That's a six. <laughs> the sixes. <Damn>. Y'all, <laughs> I'm running out of bite to throw problems at you. I shouldn't have wasted it on the problem that Helix and Maeve just gave themselves. 
Oh. <laughs> Why would I do this? Okay, anyway. <laughs> Describe this bubble binder that goes perfectly. Yeah, I think as Carcinikin's up in the air again, he sort of like aims both of his... Uh, claws down and begins rapidly spinning, firing out large bubbles, and they sort of uh, like glom on to these employees or or push them back. Some pop and just the force knocks people backward. Uh, but as he's sort of generating this large field that covers the, the laboratory floor, Wolt from his pin position uh, pulls out one of his uh, zero beam pistols and fires a barrage through the middle that pops a bunch of bubbles, leaving a lane clear for Brinley to head toward that elevator shaft. Oh, and you know she take off running. What I will say, as you are running towards this elevator shaft, one of the employees pulls a lever and pushes a button. And you feel a pull specifically in your gravity gauntlet. Mm -hmm. um, as you realize that you have run past one of these workstations, and it appears to have some sort of like magnetized field that is trying to pull you into the workstation to stay there. Oh, do. So you kind of have to like push past this to get to the elevator shaft. What do you do? Point of order before we do this. Remember back on Empyrean where I had a stolen logic binder? Right. Uh, I think part of how I, I, I like to play with these sort of items of the like, the more nebulous something you shouldn't have and stuff. I think that made sense for that run. I would want to like keep it to one run. Mm -hmm. Also, um, uh, I have my own reasons for not wanting you to have logic binders um, <laughs> because it, the way I see it, not having it is very fun. So maybe <laughs> what I'll say is that you like, remember that you had it, you fish in your pocket for it and you pull out uh, just absolutely melted garbage because you went through calorium. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Well, I think gotta use that a good old impulse rig. Roll to launch yourself high in the air, use your beam like a grappling hook, or, or give yourself a boost of speed. Uh, so we'll do the boost of speed as she uh, hops on her hoverboard and... Um, but with, with that kick that I spent last time to give Brynn an advantage, I don't know how that actually... Will Glenna get an extra die for that? I didn't really think that through when I specified it. Sorry. I think that could maybe translate into an extra die for this role for Brinley. Higher chance of success. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> um, I'll also add a d6 from my attitude. And uh, you know I gotta try and do a trick, baby. You got to, baby. Uh, which gives me another d6. So uh, I'll be rolling with four d6. Y'all are gonna run out of resources eventually, right? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. I just feel like I know what this uh, number is going to be. Well, let's see. <laughs> You're right. It's a six. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> All right. Describe your trick. Uh, she takes off running and uses the impulse rig to like Iron Man style, like give herself a boost of speed. And as she, she gets a little air and as she's in the air, she whips her hoverboard off her back and throws it under her feet and uh, continues on that way. And yeah, you, you briefly feel the pull of the magnetic field on your gravity gauntlet, uh, and you activate the impulse rig, and so you feel this force pulling you kind of in both directions on your elbow and on your arm where your gauntlet is, mm -hmm. um, pulling you away and then also trying to pull you towards this workstation, and you fully see 
your elbow like stretch out like taffy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> towards the workstation. And then you break out of the magnetic field and shoot forward on your hoverboard. And your arm kind of like recondenses back into uh, the general shape of an arm. Congratulations, you are not confined to a workstation. <laughs> Brinley, you are rocketing towards the elevator shaft in the middle of the room. Walt and Trev, you are diligently fighting off uh, the legions of Wilkie's employees trying to apprehend you. And it is at this moment that we are going to descend down into the belly of this candy factory. Helix and Maeve, you emerge from the tunnels. And as you have been walking, the sounds have been getting louder and it has been getting hotter here. You find yourself in a full-on factory. You can see above you the openings into the candy lab with the catwalks and platforms cutting around it. The walls around you are like lit with like, it kind of also looks like rock candy, but it glows like glow sticks in like cyan blues and electric greens and deep, deep pinks and purples lighting this up in in just very bisexual lighting. Uh, (laughs) And all around you is so much factory equipment. You see a roller that's stretching out candy into like long, thin tubes. You see spools that are like catching taffy in between them and spinning around and around. And this taffy is slowly shifting color from dark to light. You see big tables that have candy that like pours out on it from these like big old vats. There are vats everywhere. So many vats that are just like steaming and churning on these tables as well. You see, like, robotic arms descending on them with, like, pizza cutters and, like, knives, and it, like, goes zoop, 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 across and segments it into pieces. Conveyor belts everywhere. <laughs> Just absolutely full of, like, gumdrops and taffies and goodies of all sorts. And this, you said we were, we hit this from uh, what was moments ago a cave network. We eventually find our way in here. Yes. Uh, I think it's very much like if time is moving strangely, you know how sometimes you don't remember your drive home from work, where it's just like you're kind of moving <laughs> on autopilot and you're like, wait, wait, how did I get here? I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Helix, would you look at all this candy? It's, it's like a dream. What's your favorite? Top three Wilkies, go. Mm. Uh, I I don't know that I I eat a lot of sugar. I I generally try to avoid this stuff. But one time as a child, I did have uh, this sort of little packet of uh, ooze. And he sort of describes something that looks like a Tide Pod, but was like a weird little jelly candy thing that he he quite liked. The sort of effervescent uh, membrane and then the gooey slime inside was, was quite delightful. I don't know what those are called. Yeah, that's yum gunk, obviously. Uh, what is with this crew? You and Bryn are both... Wild. <laughs> For me, it's a three-way tie between nice and spicies, sweet and easies, and cotton candy fine and dandies. I can't pick. <laughs> Which one of these is creating yum gunk? Uh, Lena, do I see the yum gunk machine? Oh, you absolutely see the yum gunk machine fat. <laughs> do I see a yum gunk nozzle? It is the biggest vat of all of the vats, and it does have a nozzle that is like sp- spilling it out in like even... Uh, 
gunk chunks into uh, their pouches. <laughs> Huge. Uh, yeah, Maeve grabs the nozzle and kind of cocks it to one side. So it's just like splurting it out onto the ground and kind of offers to Helix like, eh? <laughs> uh, he, he's pretty excited, mostly just for slime reasons. Uh, like, this, <laughs> Helix, that is, is slime. Pretty, pretty, pretty great, actually. Though the membranes were kind of part of it, and he grabs one, maybe like a big one that's got the translucent membrane and <laughs> uh, burps a big <laughs> green bubble. Great. All right, I'm. You're winning me over with, with on candy factory stuff. Maeve grabs a handful and then places the nozzle back onto the conveyor belt or wherever it was meant to be aimed. Do we see any employees around? Not on this level. No, it looks like everything here is fully automated. You don't hear, but maybe if well, hmm, I don't know if you would see. I'll 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 posit this to you, and then you can tell me what your characters think of the situation. You actually wouldn't hear any commotion directly above you. You would probably see it if you were looking up. Classic D&D question, are you looking up? <laughs> or I guess classic TTRPG question, are you looking up? Oh, because we can't hear over the machinery, but there is a commotion directly overhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walt is pinned to the catwalk above you. Like ostensibly like a, like, like a, yeah, the catwalks. Okay, no, I love, I say no, we are transfixed <laughs> with the elaborate Rube Goldberg, uh, insanity, uh, that is surrounding us. Cause also it's like we've, we've established the reality binders and I love the visual of, of Helix and Maeve. Uh, slurping each other up some candy and just like, you know, licking their fingers and yeah. mm-hmm. grabbing hoses and having a grand old times. Maybe their pupils are the size of dinner plates. Who's to say? Uh, <laughs> and then behind them, but there's just this chaotic struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I want to metagame it, but like, I yeah, we're focused on the yum gunk. We're. Oh, don't you metagame a thing, fam. I will reunite you when the time is right. Can we have one inspiration that is useless in this game? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Slug Blaster. Ah, well. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, with with that established, then Maven Helix are just moving our way through the factory floor, trying to find our way uh, up to reconvene with our friends, but also like sampling everything on our way. I think we've <laughs> we've hit the munchies phase of whatever this uh, uh, mushroom bender we're on is. Great. What is this game? What is this game we're playing? <laughs> it is Slug Blaster. The greatest game of all time. It sure is. So I'm going to give you the yum gunk for free, but maybe what I'll say is uh, Helix, as you grab the pouch, you don't even think about it and you like sit on the conveyor belt and then you realize oh, you need to get off the conveyor belt, uh, and mm-hmm. you, like, hop off. Maybe you, like, time accelerates a little bit for you, and you feel, like, this, like, whoa, weird pull, and you're like, oh, God, I'm sitting on a conveyor belt. You are in a active factory full of a lot of dangerous equipment, and you're high on banana mushroom schmellows. Mushmellows? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, are, are, we, we are experiencing... Over and above our lack of logic binders, we are experiencing ill effects of those mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, so double whammy on the yeah. uh, bending of reality. Sick. 
Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to I mean, I'll say a whammy and a half right now. The lack of logic binders hasn't hit you quite yet, though. If you want to continue sampling the candy in this space, I would very much like a roll, please. Thank you. Yeah. No. Continuing <laughs> to eat some candy. Yeah. Can we do a Can we do a team candy roll? Yes, can you can. <laughs> uh, I will throw in one d six from my attitude because I'm the grit. And uh, how do I spin this as grit related? <laughs> <laughs> You're conserving energy. I don't expect things to be easy. Sometimes the only way is the hard way. Everyone else, go- when everyone else has gone home, you're just getting started. Uh, I'm just getting started eating this candy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take a dare about it. I'll, I'll mark a trouble because uh, I think he he likes uh, the reason he's daring to to finally let his guard down uh, and succumb to the sweet, uh, delicious euphoria uh, that eating candy. Uh, can bring you, because uh, otherwise he was always con- sort of concerned about his macros and maintaining. Uh, he, he gets everything he needs uh, from the sludge in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Why would you do anything else? But much like uh, adrenaline, uh, sugar is also good. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, all that gunk is going to spoil your sludge. <laughs> <laughs> Leave you want to roll this one? Uh, sure. Okay, so uh, a d6 from my dare, a d6 from you, and a basic one. A four, a five, a six. Yeah! Okay, great. Amazing. Uh, Tell me about the three best candies that you eat. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, uh, Helix continues to look for other uh, pouch-based candies, sort of Mr. Magoo style as he's walking across moving conveyor belts that sort of drop him exactly where he wants to be. Uh, And so I think he has a a pudding pouch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A... It's called a crumb landmine, and it's like a fruit pie, um, but uh, sort of explodes when you eat it. And so it's called a crumb landmine. And something that's very similar, uh, maybe the end process, the end result of the gummy candy he picked outside. Uh, he was correct. They are picking it and turn, you know, refining it and turning it into something. And he gets this weird jelly simulacrum of a of a cherry. Even though in his pocket he's got this very real gummy cherry, he, they somehow this one's even more artificial. Very good. <laughs> oh, nice. You found a cherry berry chow down. I, I'm struggling to see the value. And, and he's like holding one, each in one hand, doing the like ketchup. <laughs> Cat's up. Catch, uh, <laughs> and then just takes a big bite of the, the artificial one. Maeve, I, I got three more written down on my big list of, of candies that I came up with before we started recording today. So I'm going to use those. Uh, Maeve finds uh, a package of Chunkums, uh, which she hasn't found in a while. Those are their, like, clusters. Uh, they got, like, like uh, a coconutty quality, but with some, some uh, peanut in there as well. Uh, she finds uh, an orb of Squish Mist. Classic. Gotta love Squish Mist. Um, and what's a third container option? Uh, finds a whole bucket of Dizzy Doodles. Dizzy Doodles. Amazing. And maybe I'll say Helix. I mean, you, y'all you rolled a six. I'm throwing precisely zero complications at you in this entire run, which is great because it's candy time. But maybe Helix with the uh, trouble that you mark, you like reach to get like a candy that's been flattened and your fingers go into a roller for a sec and you tug them out and they are just like two dimensional flat. Mm-hmm. 
and you like pinch at them a little bit and like manage to get them back into finger shape. Um, I, if it's if it's all of his fingers but not his thumb, uh, can I can he instinctually put his mm-hmm, thumb mm-hmm, or his mm-hmm. thumb in his mouth and go and inflate it and then they <laughs> pop back into place? Yes, yes, yes. But he's yes. like that. I'm I I know I fancy myself a biologist, but I don't think it takes a genius to know uh, my fingers aren't supposed to do that. Maybe we might want to get a move on. Yeah, I is this is this a mushroom problem or a candy dimension problem or both or we got to find the crew. Yeah, would someone to someone to bring us down and ground us. And just then, I am going to spend uh my last bite uh to make this happen. Uh your delightful candy romp is interrupted as Trev 4 comes flying down from the ceiling (laughs) and crashes into the ground, uh, having been hurled down by some Wilkie's employees. Uh, Real quick, so uh, is uh, Walton still up top then? Walton is still up fighting them off. Uh, You got thrown down, though. (laughs) And I see that the, the other two are here. Do I see that they're a little messed up? Yeah, yeah, props. Yeah, you got that intuition and stuff. Our vibe is off. Their vibe is a lot right now. <laughs> no, the vibe is incredibly on. The, the vibe is, yeah, that's the thing. It's not that the vibe is off. It's that the vibe is too, too on. on, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maeve looks up and is like, oh, no, Trev's here. Trev's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> Trev can't know that we had the mushroom. Trev's going to get us in trouble. Yeah, don't don't tell Trev we had the mushrooms, okay? okay? Okay, what if we give Trev some of the mushroom and then he can't tell on us because he, he'll have had it too. I think the marshmallow gunk inside would gum up his works. Right, he's a robot. He's a robot. That's ah, the reason. Fucks. And not because yeah. he doesn't eat. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> also, here, let us help you up, pal. And he's like... Uh, Trev 4 is, like, getting to his feet, and he sees that these two are out of sorts. Like, I think he cl- clocks that, but he also knows that Walton is in trouble. Uh, what? It, what is it, boy? Is Walton in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, how he would process of, like, what is the higher priority? <laughs> like, the... They they seem to be like relatively safe down here, right? <laughs> no, I think as we say that we both like not intentionally duck like a, a caramel covered fan blade. Uh like it, Elena had established this is full of dangerous equipment and we rolled to 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 hang out here. So. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Don't let the sixes fool you. This place is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> hey Trev, uh lead the way. We're 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 coming with you. We got to find the others, right? Oh no, oh no, oh no. Uh, take my hand, and I shall lead you out of this space. It is important that we get back to Walton. After all, they are assaulting kindred employees up there. The employee being Walton. Up there, and we all look up and see <laughs> Brindley and uh, uh, yeah, Walton. Yeah, you see the lab yeah. now. Now, I, I'm trying to wonder, like, if if I grab these two by, like, uh, the the wrists... Not by the wrist, but by the forearms, kind of like that whole like predator uh, handshake model. <laughs> and like uh, if I can engage my rocket knees, I want to launch myself upwards to get back up to where I was thrown out of. I- is that possible? Absolutely. With a roll, anything is possible, babe. Very good. Very good. Well, and before you roll, I have one more little detail I want to give you before we get out of this space. Uh, the space-time ampimeter, Trev, for in your realm or lens, 
uh, pings in this space. There is a one-way portal out of here. Ooh. Or a one-way thin zone, I should say. Do I, uh, like, whereabouts is it? Do I know that, or do I, is that another thing I'd have to figure it out? It is, hmm, it's in one of the vats. It's in one of the vats. Okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of ping that, you know, put like a, uh, like a pin inside of his memory to like, oh, okay, this is where I have to come back to. But uh, there's more th- important f- things to figure out and try to get everybody back together. So in the meantime, with the forearm grip, I'm going to pull these two together. I, I guess I'm going to throw a kick on this in order to, because I figure to pull up the two of them together. Yeah, you don't want them to turn into stretchy taffy in your hands. No, absolutely not. And uh, I'm going to also throw in an extra attitude on this. Uh, I kind like I kind of need this to work. So do we still have any like hype die? Available to us. We have one hype kick. We don't have any hype dice. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You were going to pep talk us, and you never did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think that's where I'm going to have to do is I have them in my uh, grip, and it is important for you to focus up so that we can deal with the problem at hand. This is a reminder of why you never take any kind of illicit drugs while on shift. He knows. (laughs) But you know what? I, I still believe in you. Gold star to one, gold star to the other. And I grab wrists, and then I'm going to... Uh, so I'm going to refill the uh, a hype die, three hype die. Ooh, with your pep talk. Fantastic. Yes. So I'm going to take another die from the newly replenished thing, use one for my attitude. I want to do this as a trick. I feel like I'm trying to prove... Uh, myself in this moment that I'm rescuing the, I'm rescuing everybody kind of a, in this moment. So here we go. I'm doing a trick. Ha-ha! That's another six. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my lord. I needed this. I did not roll well last uh, session, so. <laughs> I mean, I guess I feel like we haven't had a roll that hasn't been a six in this episode. Yeah, we need a win, Lena. Okay. <laughs> You're coming in hot. That's, uh, that's the thing with dice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, robot arms with the knives are, like, whirring all around you, and the vats are, like, steaming, and the conveyor belts are crisscrossing all around you. It is an incredibly difficult and dangerous area to navigate. You could get sucked into a machine or carried away on a conveyor belt at any moment, but you super don't. Describe the awesome way you get out of here. So as I, like, launch up, and I, 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 you know, kind of navigate through all these blades, all of the different uh, distractions, I get up top, I have them under my arm, and... I'm going to kind of like twirl a little bit as I'm uh, going up and I kind of throw both of them clear (laughs) up onto this (laughs) upper like level and uh, you know they tumble. I'm going to leave it up to them if they want to do a maneuver off of this but uh, at the very least I'm just kind of twirling them to get uh, clear and I'm hoping to personally land by Walton if I can. Yeah absolutely I think you marked a kick yeah? Yes. Yeah, I, I think b- between marking a kick and rolling a six, I think you can get the two of them out of here and land your Walton. Uh, because you're twirling, uh, when you land your Walton, uh, your red coloring has like shifted around weirdly, and now you're swirly like a candy cane. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, 
as they're still kind of uh, piling into Walton and everything like that, I'm getting my taser bolts ready. Uh, and please remove your hands from all kindred employees. So the five of you are now in the lab. And I think what I want here is two more actions. One, we got Brinley, who has had a path cleared for her to get to the elevator shaft. Uh, so I want to see how you get into up alongside this elevator shaft um, to get you the final leg of the way into Mr. Wilkie's office. And then the next action that I'm going to get is from everyone else. Um, basically, the employees are not, you know, fully mitigated yet. They are still trying to uh, apprehend you. And as Trev4 knows and uh, Waltz can probably gather, they are not trying to take you to Wilkie's. They are trying to take you away. So your role, your action will need to be some way of mitigating the threat, whether it's like dealing with them, whatever that means for you, evading them, reasoning with them, anything along those lines. I like, I fully, fully leave that up to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Brinley, you are up. Okay. Make this way more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly yes. the right amount. Thank you. There haven't been enough complications on this run, don't you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> if anyone's going to introduce it, it has to be the players, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So, I would like to do a few things with one roll, if I may. I can do kick if the, if you uh, require it. Uh, I will explain what I want to do, and then we will see. Uh, I will ask you to tell me how uh, you want me to do it. She is gaining on the elevator shaft. She uses her agility pin to manipulate things at a distance with the accuracy of power of two human hands to press the up button. She uh, then uses the endurance engine to coarsely lift, push, and pull things at a distance with the accuracy and power of a tractor to rip open the doors before it arrives so that she can just go straight through and land on top of the elevator as it goes up. Okay. <laughs> with a kick, I will allow this move. Sure. I will happily do a kick. Uh, I'll do a kick from the gauntlet. I'll add a D6 from my attitude because this is... Uh, stupid. <laughs> and of course she's doing a trick. Give me another D6. Brinley's playbook, right? Helix is the smarts and Brinley is the stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's betting on herself. That's what she's doing. Yeah. And challenging convention. That's the other thing she's doing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why ride in an elevator when you can ride on an elevator? <laughs> it's just they're going to expect you to come out of it, so you got to give them a surprise. Also, that's just way more fun than going up to it and being like, boop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, rolling with 3d6. And you know what? Because I'm feeling generous, okay, uh, I'm going to take a dare to get another d6, and I will give Lena one GM bite. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a five. A five. Well, finally. A mixed <laughs> success. A mixed success in Candyland? Unheard of. Not since Helix was vaulted into the air eons ago by Helix's perspective. Anyway, describe this and I will then come in with your complication. Uh, yeah, very much like 
hitting the up button. I assume there's an up button. You didn't say there was, but it's an elevator. <laughs> there is an up gumdrop, of course. Yeah, there's an up gumdrop. Uh, and then, yeah, using the, the endurance engine to pry open the doors. And uh, I like the idea that maybe it's not a straight shot. Like, yes, it's a straight shot, but it's like a tray of candy pans or something. And she uh, jostles it so that they fall off of the the pans, fall off of the tray and uh, angle upward to make a little ramp. Ooh, very good. So that she uh, rises to like get some air and 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 jump. You you do vault up to the top of this elevator shaft, and you brace yourself for the elevator to shoot up, and it doesn't. No. <laughs> but then you hear. A voice, and all five of you hear this voice now. <laughs> oh, hello, my precious sweet niblet. Do you clamor for my gumdrops and my lollies? All you had to do was ask, and you could come to me. <laughs> A note to my indentured sweet employees. In lieu of overtime pay, I am treating you all to a luncheon of rocket dust and panic energy swamp water (laughs) to be taken as a part of your regularly scheduled ten-minute break. During this announcement, Brinley, one of the employees throws... It looks like a little... It almost looks kind of like a throwing star, but it's not, like, sharp, because as they throw it, it latches onto you and hits you with a taser shock. Oh, no. Um, So I'm going to give you the slime of shocked. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after the Wilkie's announcement, then the elevator shaft kicks up, and you are riding up towards the office. The rest of Gold Star Disaster, what do you do? Gang, I know we bought Brindley an opening here, but if, if we chase right after her, I'm, I'm a little worried we're just going to take this mob with us and, and waste the opportunity we bought her. We, we might have to lead him off in, a, in another direction. I know a place where there's a bunch of caramel blades and piping hot candy hoses perhaps uh, would give us the upper hand. <laughs> I guess we should just, could just start shoving. Are there like guardrails or anything? <laughs> there's guardrails, but you know, there's also open pits that, I mean, Trev 4 was thrown through it. Presumably they can be thrown through it too. Uh, you said there's tons of vats down below though. How many jokers are we going to make if we do that? <laughs> You always got to think about how many jokers you might make in any given action. Otherwise, yeah, that's it's irresponsible. I think I think Carcinican and I might might have something that could buy us a bit of time. Are you ready, buddy? Absolutely, Walton. Let's do this. Uh, and with this, uh, Walt is going to uh, whip out his Dibo vice, and he's begins entering some functions into it, and he's looking to power up Carcinigan. Another level here for <gasps> an action. What? <laughs> I guess I should roll first to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spoil the evolution and then be like, and it didn't work. Yep. <laughs> don't get to meet this guy. Uh, so I'm starting, I've got my 2d6, uh, 2d6 from the chill attitude. Uh, I want to add a kick to that. From my robot companion pool. If you want to take anything from the crew page, uh, I realized earlier that I also have pep talk because I got it from Trev. So <laughs> we need to refill that one more time this run. I'm I'm on it. I would love to take one of those if I could. 
And you know what? I'm, um, I'm interested to try and see this work. I will do similarly to Glenna and uh, take a dare to give another bite to the GM. Mmm, thank you. What's a candy dimension without a few good bites? Ew. <laughs> uh, so I will be rolling 46 with a kick. There's a six there. <laughs> All right. Back on track. We're back, baby. I want to see this data surge. Uh, as Walton enters um, some codes into his Dibo vice, he then holds up the screen towards Carcinikin and uh, clicks a final outer edge button. And then the, the Dibo vice screen itself begins to glow that sort of cerulean blue. And uh, Carcinikin's little four-legged, uh, about three-foot-tall crab form begins to glow as well. And uh, we cut to that classic Digimon uh, 3D-rendered space <laughs> where his model is spinning around. Yes, yes, and yes. his voice uh, plays over. Carcinikin, data surge to... Arthrokin! <laughs> and we see that his shape in that cerulean glow grow larger and larger to sort of like horse-sized. Uh, and, and it breaks off, and now you, we see in front of them uh, Arthrokin, who is like a large, uh, sort of lobster centaur-ish kind of thing. It's it's a big <laughs> lobster. It still has like the four legs of the previous form, but its body kind of curves up. Uh, but yeah, so there's this giant red lobster. He's got like a four leg lower section, then he sort of rears up to the upper half of a lobster with two huge claws. Uh, and uh, Walt's close enough that he hops up onto the back of Arthrokin, and uh, Arthrokin shouts out, Tidal Rush! <laughs> and this role, uh, I've disguised it as a way to use uh, the robot companion's mobility boosters. Roll to have your robot go really fast, carry a passenger or two, ditch the hoverboard and hop on. And the idea with the kick is that uh, as he's rushing forward here, he just generates uh, seemingly out of nowhere huge waves around him. And that'll be like washing these employees to the side and probably down pits like into a drain kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, uh, Bolt rides around on top of Arthurkin, rushing around this circular candy lab, just splashing people about haphazardly. <laughs> Incredible. Did you warn us to like brace ourselves or anything? As a fact. Uh, no. <laughs> I definitely didn't say anything. You super didn't, and you gave me a bite, oh. <laughs> I am going to spend that bite. Easy come, easy go, baby. The three of you are getting caught up in a tidal wave and are being rushed towards an open pit into the factory alongside the other Wilkie's employees. What do you do? Uh, Walt, this is awesome, but also, what the, what the <laughs> fucks, man? Wold is so caught up. Maybe it's the weird logic. Maybe it's the thrill of having his best friend grown to a huge lobster that he can ride. He can't hear you. The rush of the waves is too much. He is straight energy. <laughs> so what I think I'm going to do as we are uh, kind of tumbling uh, from the force of the water and everything like that, I want to try to I want to see if like I can try to grab the two of them before they completely go over the edge and uh, I, I want to try to like, if, if you can imagine, say if I'm in the middle of the catwalk, either one of them are on either side. So my left arm is uh, uh, catching uh, Maeve, the other side is catching Helix. So like I, I'm face down into the catwalk, either two are on either side of me. And I'm going to try to uh, hold them up so they can like p potentially climb back up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw in an, uh, another die for my attitude. 
which I know, I know people are going to be pointing out, man, he's been using a lot of attitude. Well, whenever he every time I pass, <laughs> I get an attitude back. So that's why I seem to have an endless amount. Yeah. <laughs> hey, t- take a take a d6 from me. Okay. I'll I'll throw in one for my attitude because you're it's we're it's a group effort. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You can have my other attitude attitude d6. I was gonna say that you could take a dare and give me another bite, but uh, that's those are good <laughs> ideas too. I guess I guess those are fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do it. It's a trick. It's, it's a fine. trap. If you want to take it from the teammates instead of giving me a bite, that's fine. Uh, I took it from the teammates, and I roll a two, a two, a three, and a four. Wild. <gasps> ah, success! Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so I, I go down, and uh, I have them maybe in my uh, in each hand. I don't know. You tell me what happens as I crash onto the catwalk. And the water's pouring over. Oh, God. Okay. So, Trev, Mm -hmm. you don't have a logic binder. Nope. You are holding these two above. And Helix and Maeve, you feel Trev's arms start to stretch (laughs) like they have. He does grab you, and that's going to, like, slow your fall enough that you're able to grab onto the rail of the catwalk and hold on. You're not going to fall into the factory because Trev rolled a success. Yeah. The complication comes from the the combination of his uh, stretchy sort of quality and then this rush of cold water. You both hear a crack. Oh. And... Maeve and Helix, you're each now holding one of Trev's arms because they've broken off like brittle candy. (laughs) Oh, no. Trev 4, I'm going to give you a slam of... um, The slam, no arms. (laughs) Disarmed. Oh! Yes, Trev 4, take the slam of disarmed. That's so good. (laughs) Oh, could you imagine if I was human? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it seems like y'all have your own problems to deal with down on the main floor. But meanwhile, Brinley, maybe you come through the trap door, land in the elevator. With a ding, the doors open. And from the other side, in the depths of this office, you hear, Welcome, Sugar Plum. <laughs> I have been waiting for you. 